Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Roldorf Cafe podcast. This is a watch industry discussion by two watchmakers hidden in the bowels of the Bentall Center in Vancouver, British Columbia. This episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about service and authorized service and qualified service. It's a long one, so get comfortable, grab your favorite brew and enjoy. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoy the show. What a catchy theme tune. <laughs> and we're back. Who's back? Well, we're back. We're back. You know, it's you and I. It's, all, it's, it's always you and me. You. It's you and I. Right. No, in England, it's you and I. Okay. But here in, in Canada, it's you and me. Yeah. And Kino. No. Oh, yeah. Ignore him. He's in the background. So, uh, so thank you for uh, listening to us ramble on. And we haven't even got started yet. But this is the Raldorf Cafe, and thank you for joining us. Episode 14. I'm Howie. And I'm Jason. And we are watchmakers located at Raldorf & Co. in the underbelly of the Bentile Center, uh, Vancouver, BC. And we underbelly. Are- is it, it's, made, it's almost sounding like it's the colon of, of, of the building. It's better than the bowels. <laughs> <laughs> As you say, located in the bowels and the stinky okay, bowels. We're going to change it to the colon of the, of the colon, Bentals. Yes. So <laughs> we are in the center. we're in the Bentall Center, which is downtown Vancouver. We are a little watch repair shop, and we sell some cool watches. And we have a podcast, and we talk about stuff extremely nerdy and fun. And that would be watches. And then sometimes we have scotches. Scotch. Yeah, yeah. Like today, we're having. What are we drinking today? What who, What is this podcast sponsored by? <laughs> Costco. Costco. Kirkland. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, Cheers. So who knew uh, Costco had scotch, eh? But they do. That's robbing alcohol. It's really sweet. <laughs> it's really sweet. Cool. So there. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? Well, I mean, I think we haven't done a podcast in a while, so I think it's good to just kind of say hey and like sort of give people updates on what's going on with the store. Okay. We did a big reno here, actually. We brought in a new bench because we brought in a new watchmaker, Kino Valentino, on the ones and twos. <laughs> All right. So uh, what else is on the cards for today? What, are you going to skip right over it? Talk yeah, we'll Kino? go back to it. Oh, we'll yeah, come back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back to it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just give me the This is the only thing. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about the space. We'll talk okay. about... Um, yeah, we wanted to talk about... Uh, uh, we had a, um, a theme we wanted to sort of touch on regularly, which is stories. Watch people and their watches and their stories, because it's it's always really interesting what we get through here, the different watches that have these really cool stories. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we get to hear quite a few of them, which is really cool for us. And uh, some of the really interesting ones, I think we're, we're going to uh, pass on in and share with you in the etherwebs. Yes. And we'll post a picture of the watches and, and tell the, a story. So today we'll just tell one story. And like, I think every every episode, maybe we'll just tell a quick story about a watch and post a picture. Perfect. And then our main topic today, um, I think we're going to talk about the, the difference between um, an authorized service center versus a qualified service center. 
And I thought that I would, I made a list today of pros and cons for each. And then I would just kind of read them and Jason can kind of respond. Fresh. He hasn't seen this list, so it's very exciting for him. It's like Christmas. <laughs> Bring it on. Right. So that's yeah. that's cool. Today. And we'll have that done in roughly eight and a half minutes. Fantastic. Wow, that's very precise. Yeah, so right. are we going to do a wrist check? Are you wearing a watch today? Yep. You wearing a watch? Yep. I am, yes. Does it have a date? We're almost wearing the same watch. Very close. They might be brothers in arms. They might be. Say. Yeah, absolutely. Except your one's a counterfeit. Mine's a counterfeit. Mine's a phony. <laughs> phony baloney. <laughs> yes. And uh, do you, do yours, is your date correct? I don't have a date on mine. No, mine neither. Yeah, so. But today is the day. Today's the day. Today's and the it's, day. it looks like it's pretty much on time com- compared to the master clock and... You know, give or take a little bit on the master clock. Who I wouldn't knows? trust that master clock for yeah. a second. And who knows whether now people can actually hear the master clock in the background because uh, we've shifted. We're 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 right. we're, we're on a, a different end of the store. <laughs> yeah, on the we're a good ten feet away from where the we diff- were sitting before. Yes, this is the West Wing now. Right, and it sounds very different over here. It does. Yeah, oh, and I'm sure people will uh, will comment on that. <laughs> Uh, when we when so we actually make this live, so oh, um, it's not live right now. Live to us. <laughs> so yeah, we've we've definitely shifted shifted some things around. So uh, if you haven't been into the store recently, as in this week, uh, <laughs> you should come in because yeah, we've made some big changes. Uh, it looks really nice. It's like. We, we put the seating area on, like against the window. We've taken out that big uh, that big display we had and put in these these cabinets and yeah and the new a new bench uh, under the the other side. It's really great. It looks really nice. Yeah, yeah. It it almost looks professional. Almost. Yeah. Is that what we're going for? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, th- I th- yeah I think so. Yeah. The bench <laughs> uh, the bench is really great. It. Uh, it came in hot from uh, from Germany by DHL, so uh, really that was that was very exciting. It's a very big piece of equipment to actually ship by air, but oh, uh, ship it by air. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah. The cost of that was r- ridiculous. But it's the best. Yes, it is. It's the best. It really is. The bench is. And, it's uh, like the Lotus of watchmaker benches. We put a big shout out to uh, to our friends at uh, Bowley who actually make this bench for us. Uh, yeah. the, the bench is called the Flexbow. Should we put it in the um, show notes? We shall put it in the show notes uh, so that people can do that. And we'll also have to take a couple of pictures of it and, and stuff like that. Right, and at uh, the store too. And at the store, the, yeah. The new layout, yeah. It's a very comfortable feel. I think we're, we're within elbows reach of coffee now. So mm-hmm. if you want to come down and uh, Look at some watches. You can have a coffee. Coffee and watches. Yeah. And uh, and if you buy one, you might even get a scotch. If you buy a, uh, if you buy a coffee, you might get a scotch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good deal. It does. <laughs> good. So, yeah, there we go. So that, that I think that is that, that. Oh, no, but then there's Kino. <laughs> Kino Valentino. Yes. Yes. Oh, man, so he's our new he's the newest watchmaker here so we've got a whole team now we've got how often have you been in a room where there's three wa- three watchmakers in one room yeah how often does that happen yeah well that's that, that's about as rare as as uh, going to a catholic church and seeing three priests in the same place 
Yeah. Okay. But anyway, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's context, right? Yeah. So yeah, Kino Kino uh, was studying in Seattle. Yep. And he graduated last year, and he's uh, he, he's fantastic. So he's he's showing us how things are done, how how the real world does watchmaking. <laughs> yeah, we're in we're we're on the very vintage side of uh, the technology here, and he's definitely uh, he's on, on the. Uh, the, the neo-tech. And the cutting edge. Yeah, bleeding edge, even. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, did you notice that when he cut his hand the other day? Did he? He's bleeding a lot. Yeah. yeah. What'd you cut your hand on? <laughs> you sharpened that screwdriver too sharp, hey? <laughs> Are those number five tweezers get you right in the cuticle? Oh, ouch. <laughs> yes. So, so there we go. Yeah, we and I'm sure from time to time we'll... We'll hear Kino's voice either in the background or on 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 the show itself. But uh, but yeah, so please, if you are listening to this, just even give a big shout out to uh, to Kino in the comments. I'm sure he'd love to hear that. It's very uh, fanning and warming and and everything else. So yes. please, yeah, and, and drop on by. Like I said, come in and visit him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. come yeah, come visit us. Always, it's always nice. Yeah. Good. So what else? So, so, so did you want to get into the main the main details, or should I talk about the the story? Tell a quick story. Yeah. Why don't? Yeah. I I think uh, the stories. I, I let's jump into that because it's all very very warming and and uh, nice to hear these things. So sure, sure. Uh, it's well. Um, there was a uh, our friend who came in, um, uh, Mustak. Uh, he's come in a few times. We've done some watch service for him, and he brought in this uh, Romer alarm watch uh, a couple, maybe a year ago, actually. And uh, he told this really great story about this watch. So he immigrated from Rwanda. He was actually a refugee. So, and this watch. Well, I'll tell. I'll read the story as he wrote it. He's very eloquent, eloquent in his writing. So I'll just read it. Read it. Is that is that cool? Yeah, it's very cool. All right. Hi, Howie. That's me. Uh, my mother's side of the family, then living in Kigali, Rwanda, had dealerships for Romer and Oris watches for the country. They were a generous family, and we were quite frequently the recipients of different models of these fine watches. In 1971, as I prepared to come to UBC from Uganda, I was gifted this watch with the benevolent thought that it would serve me in making it to my early, early morning classes, and it did. In August of 1972, Asians were expelled out of Uganda. Families that were lucky enough to be brought in as refugees by the Canadian government, mine was such a one, had their lives spared. However, except for one's daily needs packed in the suitcase, all else was either force, forcefully confiscated or left by choice in Uganda. Alas, there remained the other watches. So yeah, and then he gave us a picture of the watch that he landed here with, the Romer alarm watch that I was lucky enough to service. Yeah. So what a great story. And I just thought I would share that because it's really interesting and the watch is very nice. And it's like, not only is it a nice watch, but it's got a, a crazy history. So, yeah. And it is. And uh, I think uh, without going into too much detail, he, he as an immigrant, he's become a very uh, successful person here sure. and yeah. uh, and in the U.S. And it's, uh, it's really... Uh, it's it, it's really nice to hear stories like that. To uh, I mean, aside from the watch, but success stories for from immigration. Totally, um, I love that. Absolutely love it. Being an immigrant and still being an immigrant. Um, would you be really a, Would you be considered me. a success story? Yeah. No, I don't think so. 
For sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I'm sure this last election you enjoyed voting. I can't vote. You can't vote. No. That's right. Yes. There we go. Too, too much information. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> that's, that's fine. <laughs> no, but you know, that that's the thing. You know, when you, when you leave a country and you come out to a new place um, and you bring those things that, that have you've been around your life yeah. in his case it sounded like it was very little because he had to get out yeah. uh, with his family like pronto yeah. um, well you wonder about the other watches he left those, the, the Oris watches and those things ones. that you come out with are very special um, to you and you know if they last a number of years because I'm sure every immigrant has a, has a story where they have really tough times and, you know, sometimes they have to sell some of the stuff that uh, that they've got. Mm-hmm. But he's uh, he's kept that watch all the way along and, uh, and then we cool. get got to service it for him and it went ding, ding, ding again. Yeah, ding, ding. Or buzz, 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 yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Cool. Excellent. So then, yeah, should we, should we jump into the... Uh... The, the, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, let's okay. do it. So, so, first off, before we get into authorized versus qualified, obviously, we as an independent uh, watch repair place, we have a certain bias, which I obviously would like to address before we get into it. But I think some of these points are worth talking about because there is a clear difference and a different. Uh, um, there's different feelings about it. You know, if you look on the, the blogosphere and what people talk about who, who yeah. are really into watches, have strong feelings about about either uh, having something worked on from a, quote, authorized or from an independent, uh, otherwise known as qualified, mm-hmm. hopefully. I mean, that's something we can get into uh, as I as I read these pros mm-hmm. and cons lists. So. so how do you figure I'd do this? Should I read the, the pros for each or the the cons for each, or should I go pro con about one and then pro con about another? Okay. However, you'd like to do it. How you you okay. you um. Well, let's let's. I'll just, just as I wrote it as I wrote it down. We'll just talk about. Mm-hmm. Let's get into what an authorized service center pro pros could be. Yeah. Mm. So as I've written them, I'll just read them and you just comment on them as I read. Them. How's that? Sure. So pro of taking your watch to an authorized service center is obviously the manufacturer's seal of approval on the back. Right. Yes. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. And there's a there's a number of re- really good reasons for that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you want me to get into those types of things. Sure. Right I mean, just so. jump in. You know, if you if you want. I mean. Yeah. So, you know, the environment is is key to any authorization from from any of the group brands or large brands. Right. Um, because they will actually send in. Uh, people to actually come uh, come in to look at the environment where the work is being done. Right. They're checking out uh, the equipment and the cleanliness and, and all of that stuff. So so there's a whole checklist of things. Right. that, And they're typically doing. training the watchmakers, yes? Or they are overseeing yeah. the training? Yeah, and I think it, that may differ a little bit from brand to brand. Um, but yes, typically either you know, the watchmaker would have to go to them or, you know, if if that's impossible, then uh, a trainer would probably come out and spend some time on location. Right. Um, 
and probably update training is involved with that as well. Sure. Um, so current uh, current techniques, current machinery, uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, new tools that that have been devised for doing certain jobs. That the that the brand sort of enforces as their standard of, of repair. Absolutely. Right. So they have sort of control over that. Yeah. Um, yeah, nice. So then basically the service work that you get would theoretically be a standard repair equal to a new watch from the company. Yeah. From from the workmanship, uh, certainly from the tools that are being used. Absolutely. Um, one of the one of the key things here though is that you know, to, to, to remember that there isn't always going to be that representative on site at an authorized service center. So they go home after they've done their training and they let the authorized service center go on and do their thing. Right. They may do spot checks, you know. I mean, it's still human, time it's, still, time. it's still human beings. But there's, yeah. and so, you know, uh, I think you know, the, the ongoing quality control is in the hands of the, the, the person that, that's in charge of the, in, in, in the center itself. Right. Um, so it's only as good as, as that person is and how willing they are to uh, follow the guidelines. Right. Interesting. Yeah, yeah interesting. Okay. Also, um, the authorized service center typically are going to have access to authentic parts. Correct. Right. That's a, that's a big one, obviously. Uh, and this is a thing we can get onto how certain brands will kind of hijack their parts for that reason, so that only the authorized places will have access to these. Yeah. That, that can make it challenging. Yeah. So yeah, and then the watches typically would be like, a, it would be like a new watch, would you say? Yeah. Um, that and again, that that will probably the standard of that will differ from brand to brand. Um, you know, the, right. you know, if you take Rolex as an example, you know they want that watch looking and performing like it was the day it was new. But do they do chronometer? Does do manufacturers do uh, like do they do a chronometer certification after the fact? No, there's no no longer any certification there from from a uh, from a chronometric standard, but there certainly are guidelines to particular calibers as to uh, like how um, old they are and how much they can expect it to perform. The time timekeeping tolerances and stuff like that. So So example like a, a 50s Rolex yeah would have a different guideline a current guideline potentially issued yeah. by by potentially, Rolex, potentially yeah. Yeah. where it'd be like okay these are these are the the the, the time tolerances current yeah versus what they were when it was first yeah. released and most of that will be covered in technical documentation that's provided either online or, or by uh, by the uh or in, in paper form by by the company right yeah cool um yeah that's good so also the another pro is obviously the trust the trust that you have is, is a is a is a pro. Right? Yeah, I think you know, because you've gone through a certification process, 
And that's basically marketing around that too, from the point of view of the authorized service center. It's yeah, that 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 is that is very reassuring for 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 people um, because it's a standard, um, and people like standards. People like basis points. Right to, to to be able to work with, and as soon as you've got that stamp of approval, yeah. um, then hey, you, you you're golden yeah. uh, in many people's eyes. It's not until that service center messes up, and uh, you know uh, if they mess up, that you know that that will change. But you know, typically, but even you know, if they should if they, hit a standard, yeah. And even if they mess up, it's not necessarily going to tarnish the brand necessarily. Yeah, that that point's debatable. I think. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, the brand should have a really good grip on what's going on in their authorized service centers, mm-hmm. and uh, and the big the big companies typically do. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, there's imminent spot checks, right? And you never know quite when they're going to be, and 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 right. stuff like that. And uh, if the brand gets whiff of the fact that. You know, customers unhappy with the service, and they they start. They, you know, it's it becomes a numbers game. How many return jobs have there been to that particular sure. uh, service center? Who who's complained, as opposed to who's been really happy and has been writing in saying, yeah, you know, the service center is awesome, right? Um, because those types of things do send up red flags right. and uh, green flags um, to the brand. Well, that's interesting because I, I think at this point we could kind of maybe start looking at cons of, of uh, authorized being the um, that those that kind of numbers, right? Where it's like the complaints typically, I'd say from an authorized would be the the timeline that it takes to get your watch back can be quite a long time, right? Yeah, if, especially if it's going to Switzerland or to like a manufacturer. Absolutely. So actually, on that point alone, it's a it's it's a good time to just clarify something. Okay. Just because you're an authorized reseller of a particular uh, watch brand's product, uh, doesn't mean to say you're a service center. Yeah. So there's many resellers that that will take in the watch repairs, but uh, they don't actually do the watch repairs themselves. They're, you know, taking them in, documenting, and then firing them off to um, so the, you know, to the head office right. um, or service main service centers for the brand. So um, that's that's also something else to look, to look out for because, you know, when you've got that process in place, then there's most certainly a um, a difference in the return time right. uh, on that. So, and I guess for some people, the, the assurance of, of it being this authorized place, you know, the timeline doesn't matter. It's, it's kind of like par for the course. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, again, that, that's up for debate too, and I think that's very customer dependent. Um, I think that you know, there's a lot of customers that or, or people that have particular watches. They take them in. Um, to um, to the authorized resellers and and uh, you know then they're, they're not happy about waiting so long. Whereas if the authorized reseller actually has a service department that's authorized, right. things are a lot faster because so there's, a vari- there's a variance. There, there's a variance there depending on where yeah, you drop them. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So another another con I'd say or 
a, a challenge for authorized is the price is going to is going to be is going to be expensive. Yeah. Generally speaking, it's like it's going to be the most expensive. What what I would probably say there is that the the pricing is going to be fairly standardized. Okay. But it will be standardized and it will be high. Um right. because the fact is is that you know <laughs> whether you want to call it one or not it's a bit of a monopoly um so they can set pricing um mm. and uh and then the customer the owner of the watch is then subject to that pricing they don't really have much of an option if they want to get an authorized type of service well, done on their, and the, on their watch. not only the like cost pricing but also the price of 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 uh and this is a point i have the, the cost of of choice you don't have choice typically mm. you're you're given you're given what needs to be done and that's it there's no like oh, i don't want that done or i do want that done generally would you say that that's generally true is this kind of like this is what needs to be done that's it yeah i think again that that depends on brand to brand but yeah i mean everyone's heard stories of you know taking their watch back to leading uh, manufacturers and all of a sudden they're like no sorry you've got to have your dial and hands changed because there's tritium involved right. um so now you've got to have a service dial with supernova whatever well i i, uh, I have a story where I had a watch that I took back under warranty. I don't know if I should mention the, the brand. That's not important, I guess. No. Uh, and it was a watch that I had for, you know, I had a year warranty with the store that I bought it with. And I and I figured I should, you know, it was running slow. And I liked the watch. I took it back. And the, they took it from me. And then they called me, you know, six weeks later. But the watch, I just figured it was like a regulating thing. Anyways, I come back to the store. And they open the envelope with a totally different watch. Did I tell you the story? Yeah. So I it, can't remember. it was a, it was a it, w- it was the same price point. It was the same movement, but it was a totally different watch. My watch was a black dial, black steel case. This one was a white case, a ceramic case. And I was like, "What's this?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, that the the watch that that you had. They don't uh, they don't make they don't make anymore, and the repair was more severe than." It wasn't just a regular, so they've just given you a, a watch at the same price point that you paid for it, uh, just e- equal to as far as value is concerned, right? Right, and that's a, that's a real-world example yeah. uh, on an extreme case, and I right. think that that kind of that kind of practice is completely unacceptable. I well, mean, isn't that the idea of like uh, because you have a monopoly, then you can kind of do whatever you want, right? Yeah. Or whatever. Like. Yeah, but and uh, I and this goes towards a con for certain brands is that you know <laughs> you you want to you you want to have a handle on what's actually going to happen in the future, right? So you got to have some indication of what could potentially happen. And one of the things is is that um, when you're being sold a watch like that, that that kind of um, that topic never really comes up mm. and any particular salesperson is is probably unlikely to tell you that you know a couple of years down the line or even you know a year down the line you know that watch may not be available or you know well, and are they going to know that either? and 
you know, it's yeah, poor practice, and it it it, it certainly leaves a sour taste. But uh, for the bigger brands, that typically isn't the case. However, if if we're on the topic of swapping things, um, a lot of brands instead of doing servicing right up front, they'll do movement exchanges. Mm-hmm. So mm. you never really know truly from certain brands this is not all brands but some brands you know will then you know instead of servicing the movement we'll just take a new movement out of stock drop it in place and then uh-huh. and then uh, away away it goes for for expediency but then that person's not getting the movement that they purchase back right um so well yeah that's an interesting and that's the the brand itself having control of of the watch and being like you know we decide it's the same thing we're going to switch it yeah i mean (laughs) on a a completely satirical (laughs) point of view imagine going into the hospital going in for an operation (laughs) on your knee and and then all of a sudden you know the doctor's saying oh you got a bit of an irregular heartbeat oh well that's it rip his heart out we'll put a new one in um you, you know, it's not your heart anymore, is it? Uh, well, you jump right into the severe example of that one, hey? <laughs> there you go. I mean, jugular. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Monty Python at its best yeah, right there. Yeah. So, uh, just, yeah, yeah, just imagine that. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're here for your liver. <laughs> I'm using it right now. <laughs> okay, another 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 con that I, I think is is interesting is the is the lack of connection between you and the repair personnel in your, of your watch. Yeah, and and I think over time though, this has been this has been changing. Yeah. Uh, I, I noticed, um, I've noticed recently from a couple of brands where whether it's real or not, no one really knows, but you get when, when a watch is being returned, um, it will come with a card saying, you know, thank you very much for sending your watch in. Your watch has been carefully serviced by Jason Gallup. So-and-so. Okay, sure. And we've taken every <laughs> Kino Valentino. precaution in, in servicing your watch. And we hope you, we really enjoyed servicing it. We hope you're really happy with it and blah, blah, blah. So they're actually putting names to services now, which it, which, you sure. know, who knows whether well, it's real or not, but it, well, it's a nice touch. It's a marketing sure. touch. It's a yeah. it's a person-to-person touch, which I think they're recognizing as, as has value. It's like put a human to it. Mm-hmm. People love to hear that, especially with watches, I think. People love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't that collapse on them fast if somebody turns up at, in Switzerland and starts banging on the door saying, I want to speak to this guy. Yeah, exactly. That, who did sure. this to my watch? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who replaced that vintage <laughs> dial, that patina <laughs> dial with this new one? I want to speak to Sergio right now. <laughs> No, Jason. Oh, Jason. Jason. Yeah. So here's another part. Another another thing interesting to that is the replacing of original parts with new parts, right? Yes. So certain vintage watches and as collectors are experiencing buying uh, vintage parts, sending it to a, uh, an authorized service center is kind of putting it in their hands as far as like what you're going to get back because you're going to get back. I mean, is this is this rhetoric that is not, that is just kind of spiraled in 
in the blogosphere. Like, how true is it? Like, if you if you bring your watch to Rolex, your your 63 Submariner, how true is it that they're going to replace that that patina dial and polish the case? Okay, so that is a very interesting question, and it's full of landmines <laughs> yeah. um, because there's a lot of changes that have happened. You know, with regard to processes and de- new departments that have opened up in certain brands. So now certain brands boast restoration departments where if you have, for example, a, a Rolex 10 series bubble back type uh, type watch where they'll, you know, work on that um, and do a restoration on it. You know, it, regardless, you know, as a watch ages, things will need to be replaced. You know, it's it going back to the whole medical thing as I seem to be wigging on right now. Um, you know, it's like well, as you get older, your knee joints need sure. replacing. So when you and, want a brand new knee, you know, when and, you want, when, or your eyes start feeling, and you know, you go, you go under, they put you under and all of a sudden you wake up, you got brand new eyes. Yeah, well. How nice is that? Yeah, I know. Well, you see, the thing is, is that with any, any, any service anyway, if there's a broken part, Right, you and it's and it's crucial. You wanna you wanna be you wanna be fixing that. Um, You know, so a new part would have to go in now with vintage watches that are no longer produced. Then that part would typically be a vintage part anyway. So so there isn't there isn't a big deal about that. I don't think. Um, But people, I think people. have to understand that you know uh, things need to be replaced from time to time and uh, and like for like parts. I mean, that's really that's really that's really good. If you're bringing your watch to get serviced, you want it to work. Yeah. So then, like maybe this is the 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 trade off that that people struggle with with their watches. It's like yes, I have this watch. It's beautiful. It doesn't work. I want it to work. I want it to be beautiful. I want it to still have its value, but I want it to work, and I, you know, all this stuff. Like, because people want to have a relationship with their watch, even yes. if it's fifty years old, they want to have a relationship with it, and that's the, that's the trade-off. Do you want to keep its value, or do you want to enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, look, a, a, a really, really good example of that would be a watch that's got a um, a, a very old crystal in it that is really. The, the term I use is crazed. It's it's like uh, it's got micro cracks it's like, it's like everywhere, nice. right? Now the fact is is that you may have at that point still a very nice dial, but if somebody gets that anywhere near any kind of moisture, humidity, that the moisture is going to get inside. It's going to start eroding the dial. Then all of a sudden, you know, the dial's not pristine dial anymore. So what do you do? And it, it, it becomes, uh, you know, it becomes a liability to the functioning of the, um, uh, the mechanical aspect of the watch, uh, uh, along with um, simply the aesthetic aspect of the watch, where, you know, you, you don't want to be leaving a watch with a giant hole or crack right. in the crystal just because it's vintage and all original unless you're going to keep sure. it in a safe well this, this is an interesting point that i want to get to in relation to the 
service, the uh, qualified service technicians, the independents versus the service center. Yep. You know, having that flexibility to do what the customer wants, right? So the con, a con would be that you don't really have flexibility. You're kind of at the mercy of what the brand wants. Well, let's say but, limited flexibility. The, you know, you, sure. you, it's fairly inflexible with regard to price. Yeah. Um, it is uh, probably um, uh, limited flexibility with regard to um, what can be changed and what you don't want to be changed. Well, I mean, um, what they're changing, what they're changing typically is for good reason. For, for when yeah. you when you assume. Yeah, uh, yeah, you've got to be careful with that too, because it, depending on the part and and its yeah. and its functionality, well, for example, and, and its importance in, for example, a dial that is uh, um, starting to corrode or starting to flake, right? Well, you've got massive issues there because, especially if there's a date window there. Yeah, um, flakes can actually then yeah, stop traveling around well, underneath the crystal through the. Yeah, we'll get in and start to uh, and will affect, affect the timekeeping of the watch potentially. The so then, as a, as a repair center, that makes perfect sense. It's like, oh, that dial is gonna is no good because it's gonna start, you know, affecting the movement. So then they right. replace it. So that makes perfect sense, but. Obviously, as collectors want to keep original, that's just like yeah, nice. and uh, and you see, I think the the key point here with regard to that stuff is pointing out that whenever a watch is serviced uh, by a watchmaker, they're going to put a warranty on it, right? Right. So let's just say that you know a service center or a watchmaker works on a watch, they they see. Uh, some some kind of flaking on the dial. They talk talk to a customer about it, saying, you know, this is a bit of a liability for mm-hmm. all the reasons we've just discussed. The problem there is, is that what is that watchmaker going to do for a warranty? Well, this is. Right? But I'm talking specifically the, because there's a liability there. Because yeah. well, this is if you're talking like an, an independent, right? Because I think if you if you're looking at for example, Rolex, if that watch goes to Rolex, they're not going to ask you if you want it done or not. They're no. going to do it. They're, they're, just going, they're just going to do it. And if you ask, right. they're probably most likely going to say no. No, because um, they, they can't, like you say, they can't give it any type of warranty. The warranty. But and that's I think similar, this is a key, key point. And that'd be similar with an independent too. Yeah. But it would be more of a, it would be more of an understanding. Maybe it would be a trade-off where you'd be like, this is... This is a reality that could happen. So therefore, yes, what you can expect is this. And you see, I think that's that's another pro for a qualified service center is the fact that you know there's a discussion there. Well, we haven't, got, we haven't even got into right. the so haven't even got to the pros of the qualified, <laughs> yet. but that could maybe well that could be the first one because I think we've I think I've touched on actually no there's one there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about cons. First, before we get into that, all right, sure. It's also it's the conversation, yeah, with an authorized service center. Typically, you don't have that conversation. Therefore, you're not going to have any kind of education. You're not going to have any like, uh, you know, um, back and forth with the watchmaker. You know, you're typically, I I think, from my understanding, you get you send the watch and they send you a, a, a an invoice of what work needs to be done, point for point. And there's no, there's no why. It's just this is what needs to be done. 
Yeah, very, so that, that, very rarely would you ever get to to speak to a, a, no. a real watchmaker. Right. Um, it, it, it again, it depends on the service center and whether they've actually got the in-house authorized uh, workshop. Yeah. Um, but you know, very rarely would you actually get to speak to a watchmaker. You don't get it. that rapport. That's it. That's so then you don't have a conversation. Then you don't. Then you're not learning about watches. I mean. You know, I understand if you, if you don't really care, you just want your watch to work. But I think in, in, in this time, in, in, in these days, when it comes to the love of watches, more people are, are hungry for to learn about what it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. And you see, th- this brings up a, a, a really good point. And I have a great analogy for this as well, because I've used it a few times. <laughs> and that is, um, you know, when watch comes in from customer into uh, an authorized reseller, customer says, watch is broken the customer go, the, the the service the, the uh, person that's helping behind the counter says okay we'll take this in for you they send it out if they don't have an in-house service center um, it then goes out to wherever it is they it's evaluate the watch yeah. and then a piece of paper comes back that's very binary it's very cryptic you need this this and this, no whys or anything like that, but just this is it, price, this is it, price, yeah. this is it, yeah. price. Yeah. That person goes back, gives the uh, um, the estimate to the owner of the timepiece, and then they go, wow. Because the first thing they, they probably see is sticker shock. Yeah. Like there's there's that jerk, that, that flinch then, reaction. Of course. Right? It's just like, and then they start to wonder and ask questions but really the the person behind the counter is not a watchmaker they can't really explain that and even though they may try to they're probably going to trip up on things and and it's it's not really a, a fair conversation at that point exactly so really the customer uh, the owner of the watch is left kind of feeling a bit hollow with this whole thing because it's it's then more of a financial transaction, right? Yeah. And that is that's that's a problem. Right. That's a problem well, for that's, the customer. That's but it, but but what mo- what would motivate an authorized service center to change that that uh, situation? Or do they want that control? I. I I would foresee it as being a, a, a bit of control in that point. You're like, yeah. you know, let let the customer. We'll give them this uh, this this sheet of, of mystery words, <laughs> you know, all these different things that don't mean anything, but it looks official. You know? Yes. And then and then slap on this price, and then just and then there's a the trust thing. It's like, well, it, it's coming from the brand that I love. It must need it. I'm gonna go ahead and do. And it. really, from from um, from another point of view. Any kind of authorized service center is going to be numbers-based. They are going to expect a certain number of watch services per watchmaker, per day, of course, per week, per month. So to actually start a process um, uh, with regard to a watch service to come out and talk to a customer, right, affects the productivity of that watchmaker, mm. right? And that affects the bottom line. So so then it becomes a, a completely different equation, right? So that's why 
you typically wouldn't see a watchmaker handy unless someone's been dedicated for that to actually answer questions totally. like that and, and blah, Which blah, blah. Which is amazing if that, if that was the case, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, uh, you know, if you, if you go to, to Rolex um, yeah. in, in the UK, for example, they've, they've got um, a service center right in the heart of the city. There's always a watchmaker or two that's there to service a customer. Yeah. to explain certain things. Whereas it, as soon as you get outside of the the, 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 the main realm, that, that it's a bit of a pop, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you don't know. You, you just don't know whether you're going to get that. Um, so, yeah, that's something to keep in mind anyway. It's but. interesting, yeah. So here's another point that I wanted to, to bring up about a con. And also I want to definitely uh, reiterate of course, this is bias. We are an independent watch repair place, and we have our feelings about it. I just want to state that again, mm-hmm. in case it sounds like we're being preachy, which maybe we are, but who cares, whatever. This is the Raldorf Cafe, brought to you by Costco Scotch. Anyways, <laughs> so the next thing that, that I think is interesting, uh, limits and it would be a con that I foresee, or that I perceive being a con is that an authorized service center will not touch your watch necessarily if it's been in any way modified. Either there's a, a part that's not authentic or there's any uh, 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 modifications done to, say, say a bezel has been encrusted with diamonds where the original reference didn't have those diamonds. That's off limits. Yeah, they won't, uh, they won't, they won't do any service work on it until that watch has been returned to its original fully original condition and uh i guess that i mean that does make sense if you're really i mean imagine if you if you're if we're making a watch and someone comes in and they've totally modified our watch there's a pride that you have it's like this is our art piece this is our expression of us and you've done you've changed it all and you want us to to fix it again maybe there's a pride point there i think it's all it's it's all warranty based Right, obviously. I think that if there's going to be a warranty attached to it, um, they they want, you know, a brand would want to uh, make sure that all the parts are original because then they can warranty those parts. In the case of uh, sure. an, an encrusted bezel where uh, Goldsmith has, has made a bezel, uh, who knows whether it's, it's going to fit nicely um, the way that an original bezel f- uh, w- was fitting for the w- water resistancy aspect of things so, and, and so, stuff like that. So, sure. well, then it, 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 I mean, it asks the question: if you're if you've taken your watch to a goldsmith to have it modified, then maybe you're of the mind of having a relationship with what's going on with your watch. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna want to take it back to a yeah, to a and center. and it isn't necessarily even just parts where there's uh, an obvious. Um, warranty debate. Um, it can be engraving on a stainless steel case. The Banford watch department is 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 one of those one of those cases. Um, Are those the guys that do the, ro- the, the take the Rolexes and, and modify them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 
I'm sure that yeah, no one, no one dare mention those particular words within within the uh, the hallowed halls of Rolex. I love to hear. Um, but uh, what do you think about that? But you see, the thing is, is that then it's it's then counterfeit. It's not original. You know, if there was an original warranty, it's absolutely, completely, one hundred and no, three hundred percent. Uh, null and void, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, because they're, they're, they're putting coatings on cases, they're changing dials, they're, or in the sense of modifying, modifying they're, it. They're using it as a, as a, uh, a canvas it's, for expression. It's a very extreme case, but we see a lot where, you know, uh, especially with um, uh, ladies, they just steal in yellow, uh, watches where uh, 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 a, uh, a jeweler has made uh, a diamond bezel for it. So one bezel yeah. comes off, the other bezel goes on. Sure. Typically, there's some kind of trade in gold be- between one, <laughs> one bezel and the other to get a bit of a discount on that whole thing. Yeah. But then once that's done, once the original bezel's <laughs> lost, then you know a person's definitely in for that bill for a new bezel yeah. at that point. Yeah, so you're right. So it's the it's the it's the it's the brand being in control of their product. Yes. Yeah. So that leads to an even bigger, deeper, deeper deep dive. Incredible question: Is your watch ever really your watch? At that point, without right. It's, well, I mean, think about if you buy it. it I think it makes it more of an art piece in a, in a sense that, like, if you were to buy uh, an art uh, painting from somebody that's still alive or not, but most likely still alive, you have this beautiful painting. You're like, well, actually, I, I wish that dog had a mustache. So then you draw a mustache on, on it, and you've changed it, but now it's but it's yours. You paid for it. It's on the wall, and now it has it's modified to your liking. Yes. Right. How would is there any is there any a thought about the artist that you're that you're modifying their work with, or you know, is there or do you care? You see, that's that that is a very very good question because when you when when a person purchases something, it becomes their belonging, right? So, so it's it's up to them what, sure. what what the heck they want to do with it. Quite honestly, right? Right. But then but, you bring, but then you bring that painting back to the artist, and you're like, oh, I, I kind of want it to be restored because it's gotten a bit faded. It, I, you know, I went swimming with my painting, so I'm going to bring it back to you. Yeah. And then the artist is like, Hey, you put a mustache on the, on that yeah. dog, and it's going to cost this much to fix right. it all up. But you want to keep the mustache. You're like, I want you to restore it. And I want you to keep <laughs> the mustache. It's a. <laughs> Salvador Dali mustache. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I, I can I can imagine it right now. Um, yeah, it. You know, this is the thing. It's mm. it's it's um, it's a response that's been learnt over many 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 years of the brand's existence, right? Mm-hmm. To with all the all the hiccups that they've come across. Mm-hmm. Right and the costs that have been involved around certain things that have led them to these policies, right? And you know, for the brand, it makes sense to them. It's a numbers game. It completely makes sense. Sure. Right. Um, to the customer, 
who is the real owner of the watch, it doesn't really make sense. But then that's where the um, the independent watchmaker, the qualified well, watchmaker can come and in. And the word qualified is, is, I think, the buzzword that I'd like to focus on because it's, yeah. it's, it's a, and then it's about that to me is, is it's then about a relationship. It's then about, about it, having the watch that you want, you know, having, you know, the service done on that you want having, you know, like you say, it's about the, the owner of the watch now has a relationship with, with who's helping to, to maintain the watches. They love it. Right. And the basis of that is trust. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So if I want to, if I can read off the pros list that I have yeah, sure. for the independence. Price, price I'd say is one of the things that you can, com- competitively speaking against the uh, authorized price would be something that is more flexible. Typically. Yeah. Yeah. So I- Depending I, on what you want to have done. Yeah, exactly. So um, again, that's a, that's another bit of, that's another minefield of, uh, uh, you know, of, right. of a conversation. Part of what generalizing. Yeah, because because the thing is, is that um, there's going to be independent, qualified watchmakers that are just going to um, undercut everybody else to get the business. Right. And then there's going to be the people that are kind of in the middle that that. Um, are not going to be the most expensive and not going to be the least expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's going to be the people that, that rely on their own brand equity and will charge a fair amount, but, it's, but you know, there's, there's other reasons for that. But this so, is the thing where the, the independents have to build their own footing in the market. Where yeah. it's like um, the price you charge is because, yes, you have, you have a history already. You have... A, a resume of service. Uh, uh, you have a long line of satisfied customers that you can draw, on, and then you can draw a price from that. Versus someone who undercuts, do they have that same uh, resume, so to speak? Yeah. And this is the, this is up to the customer to do their own research, right? Yeah, I think I think that that ultimately is a is a question of uh, economics and market positioning for the. Uh, for the uh, the watchmaker or that company involved, right. um, because you know they 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 may want to be um, uh, sort of that kind of lower lower uh, priced uh, service center where they attract uh, you know more more people because of the pricing. Um, well, and then, then there, you're getting a big scale of unquality. Yeah, it's it's a it's a race to the it's uh, at that point it's a race to the bottom of the barrel, um, because when one person starts to do it, you know, it, it, it tends to draw other people in to do the same thing right. because of competitiveness. What right? an expectation! The customers are like, "Well, how come you're charging this and so and so is only charging this?" Yeah, and that's where reputation comes in reputation. and uh, the dialogue between the customer and and. Uh, the service exactly. person, which I think is great. I think having having more having having more independent watchmakers would help that. Absolutely, I you know, and, and I mean you know how he, I'm, I've I've long been a proponent of the independent. I've mm-hmm. you know that that's where. 
that, that it's a realm where I feel most comfortable and that's where I am a big advocate. I, I want to see young watchmakers going out there being independents. I want to be able to give them the chance to be able to do that so they have a slightly different lifestyle to a production watchmaker within a, within a, a large brand. Um, because there sh- people should have choices. Um, uh, and that isn't just customers, but that's watchmakers as well. So, 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 so that's, that's the key thing there. And, the, you know, I, I'm sure this is going to come up in a, in a moment when it comes down to, to parts and all the rest of it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's about having that relationship and, and having the ability to be able to make it on your own because it's a tough road. Yeah. It's a really, really tough road. Right. So right now, yeah, I think that's the that's it. That's the 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 gist of it being a relationship. You know, like whether the authorized, what kind of relationship they have, what kind of relationship a, a brand has with this customer. It's really about a, a relationships. I think you know, and this is I think ties into the whole story about that we were talking about before. You know, just watches and their stories. It's like these are these are very emotional things. Watches are very emotional. Yeah. You know, watch even like the mechanics are very emotional. It's like when, as a watchmaker, I look at an individual movement or even an uh, individual part, and I just and I think about the the processes involved yeah. in just the designing, in manufacturing, in in testing, in all these things. Are these are people and with people and their relationship to what they're doing, and then the following relationships of the people who manufacture them. It's just it's all about that. To me, there's there's nothing better than honestly working on a watch mm-hmm. and then handing it over to the customer. Totally. And being able to tell the story of that that Experience. service. Sure. Right? Oh, that is a huge pro. You know, it's it's yeah. like because not only not only that, it, it the customer conversely gets a whole different experience at that point mm-hmm. where they're like, wow, um, I, I would never have thought about that. Totally. I would never have thought that, you know, you may have had a challenge at a certain point yeah. or that this particular movement has particular challenges at a certain point. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes the sterility out of it. Totally. Right. And it becomes very personal. Right, and and that that is an amazing thing. It it's an absolutely amazing thing because then a customer can see the transparency of a business. Yeah. Right. Even if it's the matter of the fact that they they can come in and because the watchmaker has let them know that the, the watch is on the bench and they can come in and take some photographs of their their thing. That whole experience. That whole experience has always been from my from, from my experience. Has been such a, a crazy when you I don't know how to put it, but like when you when you explain it, the experience you've had with a watch specifically to a customer, you see them kind of just you see you can see them taken aback by it. And you're like I and then you point at the bench that you had their watch open and you talk about it, and it's just like it's a it's beautiful to, to witness actually because as a watchmaker you've seen you've seen the result of prior repairs mm-hmm. right and you can explain that to a customer 
you know, it's a, it, it's a relationship. It's yeah. it, it's you you give the watch back, and you know you've you've put your your time, sweat, tears, right. and right. and you're just like, oh, there it is, and and you're handing it over, and to be able to let the customer know what's gone on yeah. with that particular watch, is so cool because they. They build that connection. But that's not typical. I mean, to 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 sort of to be an advertisement for us is I don't think that's a very common thing within even within the qualified watchmaker sphere. Having that dialogue. I mean, for us, we look at that as an important thing, right? Where we have the watchmakers selling the watches, the watchmakers receiving the watches, and and having that open dialogue exists because we want that dialogue. Absolutely. I'm, 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 I'd, be, I'd be surprised even in the independence if they if they are interested in that, which I'd be surprised if they're not. But I, you know, I some people, are, yeah, some companies that that do watch repairs are just there to do watch repairs. Yeah. Right. Production, 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 and uh, <laughs> you know, then you've got your spectrum of you know highest price to 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 bottom of the barrel, get it done, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's up to the customer to decide what's best for them, totally. right, ultimately. And is it because it's a pocketbook thing? Is it a prestige thing, mm-hmm. right? Because the pocketbook thing is, is like, damn, I've just got to get my watch repaired at the lowest possible price because I can't afford it. The prestige thing is I only want my watch to go back to the original service center. Right. Right? So so it's like that's that's entirely up to the customer. Yeah. But unless a customer actually knows and understands where the spectrum is, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> they don't really know what's going on and what um, and, and what could be interesting. Right. Right, and it's a comfort zone thing. Yeah. Well, I and mean, like you said, there is a big spectrum of customers that have that. Right. And and to as an independent service center, having to deal with the spectrum of expectations of customers, you Absolutely. know, being like, I want to have a dialogue with you, and versus I don't want to have a dialogue. Yeah. I just but want you to fix my watch. Going back to your original point, it's like this is this is a thing about being an independent being the 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 watchmaker that's taking care of a, a customer's watch you know you'll get one side of it where you know you you from a customer service point of view you turn around to the customer and say please let me know if there's you know after the service if, the, if there's if something comes up conversely then there's the opposite thing where a customer will come back and go my watch has never worked so bloody good right since you guys worked on it, mm-hmm. right? And that's not just talking about us. I'm just saying that in general for, for any independent, right? And, and, and that's a key thing there. That's an absolute key thing there because, you know, when a customer comes back and those warming moments for you as being the watchmaker, right. to actually hear those dulcet tones of those words going, my watch has never right. worked so good. Yeah, right? it's beautiful. I mean, that's that's the thing 
in customer service, those are the things that you relish and that you aspire to have more of. But it would be, it would be, you know, it's important to, to talk about the times when it doesn't go that way, when when a customer isn't satisfied, right? Yeah. But yet we're still at a unique position where we can, where it's still a back and forth. Customer comes in, it's like, hey, my watch is, is, is shit right now, what's going on? And they're like, I'm, you know, thank you for bringing it back. Like, let's figure it out together, right? You know, and so yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's, I think often, you know, if people come back and the watch isn't working right, there's a defense, people are defensive right away, being like, how, you know, what's going on? Yeah. Like, first sure. off, out of the, like, it's, like, I've seen that where it's like, hey, you know, it's running fast, what's going on? And they're like, okay, let's figure this out together. And it's like, but that initial conversation is very defensive. It's very like, because I think they're used to maybe being treated like like they don't have they're not being treated with respect initially so then there's a def- they're defensive yeah absolutely that 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 could very well be the thing you know but it's just to have the ability for that customer to come back mm-hmm. be able to go here it is let's figure let's it out. let's figure it out together because yeah. um you know it's a complete myriad of reasons why may, a watch may not work so well for a person, and uh, and that's where a watchmaker really comes in to 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 help it out. So should I talk more about the con? I have a list. Yeah, here. yeah. Bring, so con, yeah, bring con, the cons are, are are very as far as the independence goes, and this is a, a thing obviously that's tough for us to to focus on because we're constantly working to improve. The limitations we have right? yeah but one being access to parts yeah now yeah that that is um a very deep subject and uh yeah and it is the hardest thing for an independent watchmaker to 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 deal with i think and it's um it's a break point totally. mentally physically well, and even economically yeah. Sure. It's, well, and this is what you're fighting against. You're fighting against the big brands who take hostage of their stuff and yeah. don't and don't share. Yeah. So then, so, so then you're fighting against that current. So historically speaking, let's let's go back in, in, in into a not too distant past. Right. right. We're not doing time travel here or anything. Like it's it, it it's very recent where the big brands decided that they were no longer going to supply parts houses with parts Mm -hmm. and that they were going to change their model entirely, their business model entirely, so that only authorized centers could actually purchase parts, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm not talking about authorized retailers for for selling of watches. I'm talking about service centers, right? So it was a complete rethink of of priorities from the brand point of view and what, what their future was going to be, right? So at that point, I mean, I remember still being able to go to our local parts supplier here in Vancouver up until 1998, 2000, right? And still be able to get 
Rolex parts as needed, and if they didn't have the part in stock, they would just order it in so and away you go. That's, that's nuts, because to me that's a, a no-brainer. It's like, who's working? That I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my head around the, the, the rationale of, of them taking hostage of their parts. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, what's, what's, why? Why would they just be like, you know what, actually, we're, maybe they're tired of, of the, in, of independent people having, being able to play with their watches. I don't, I don't know. I think, I think there's more than one reason for it all. Sure. Right. And it's, it, it's, 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 it's hard to describe when you're not on the inside of, of the company that's actually doing it. But don't you, see, don't you think it would be like the it's the independents that have to prove themselves. So if, if the if an independent oh. is, is able to get the part, that's one thing, and then they do a repair, and then the watch service isn't good, it would reflect on the independent, not on the brand. Absolutely, and so therefore there's a form of natural selection. Well, there was. Yeah. And right. now that that is being controlled. Now that's being controlled. It's because they can, yeah. or because they want to. Because they want to, it's, it's, it's a business model. Right. Right. Um, and maybe it's all down to parts availability too for certain things, but also control of process. Um, yeah, for all of those things that we've just been talking about, you know, from, from the brand perspective, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. From the independence perspective, hey, there's plenty of good watchmakers out there yeah. um, that know what they're doing. If they had access to materials to upgrade their knowledge on certain movements and things like that, you know, anyone that any watchmaker that's passionate about the job that they're doing will do a good job. Um, and that reflects on them, not and, on the brand. And I have to believe that, that 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 is a foundation. That's a foundation. Yes, of course, there's outliers out there that where watchmakers are just willing to cut corners and blah, 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 and everything else. Mm-hmm. But natural selection then comes in from the customer point of view. Right. Because Especially in an age now where we are so rated and openly rated. Yelp, Google, all these places are, it's very clear. It's, it's an open source kind of like uh, yes. rating system. It's Creep, like, creepily so, it, but it, it really, really is. is. Yes. And it's like, you can't hide, you can't hide your work anymore. It, well, and it's crucial, it's crucial. And I think it's, it's, it's helping the independent companies to step up their game where they can't, now they can't hide behind it. Now they can't, you know, it's easy. You look up a, a, a watch repair place. You're like, oh, I'm going to look on Yelp and see what it is. And you can't hide. It's like you do a bad job. If you do a bad job, someone's going to It's going to come. It's going to be called out. Yeah. Conversely, though, um, you will always have customers that are, that or people that that are just out there. Saboteurs. Eh. Yeah. I mean, I, I think those are the that that. But they're in it. That that's a fear based. Uh, if yeah. Yes, they're, they're there, but I, I wouldn't put any you can, real weight in that. The outliers, I call them outliers. Yeah. You know, there are people out there that, that are on the edge of the spectrum right. that that will uh, just... Sabotage. You know, 
it's like people that we're living in a world of, of a, a call out society now mm-hmm. right somebody yep. wants to make a name for themselves because they they just like that call something out yeah. whether it be on Instagram Facebook whatever call out uh, that's it's, it's 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 a whole new mentality right because people have found it easy it's easier to do that than to actually be constructive um, totally. and uh, and so as long as you understand that from a consumer perspective and right yes but that that's interesting do consumers understand it I think they're getting more attached to mm-hmm. that because I think we're all seeing the colors you've only got to watch uh, uh, one particular episode of what was it called Black Mirror or whatever oh uh, uh, yeah Black oh god yeah, where it's all about ratings. Your rating on your personality, how you look, how this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we are moving towards that kind of strange world, right? Yeah. But regardless of anything else, any watchmaker that is, that is true to their conviction and their passion, that actually does a really good job, that is concerned about upgrading their knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Those are the people that that watch owners need to seek out. That you know, it, they they need to get out there and see, well, find those people so well, that they can make those relationships. Well, and I think, like we just said, I think the the systems of of rating on on the internet are helping that. They're really helping that. You know. Yeah, because it's 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 really pushing the independents to be more accountable. More accountable. It's yeah. fantastic, actually. Like, yeah, and you know, it, there's <laughs> accountability. Some people will look at that and 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 be afraid of it. Right. But if you embrace it. It's not so bad. It just makes wow. you happy with your day. Yeah, you don't want to be leaving work at the end of the day with this knot in your stomach going, and how, and how much Ooh, is that going to come back? What? That's right? so funny. That is, I'm sure many people struggle with that all the time. And it's too bad. It's too bad. It, it really is. Because you, <laughs> even if it takes a little bit longer to right. do something, right. right? It's better to do it right than to leave and take home that knot going, ah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, and and be worried about it because it's not worth it. No. It it, it really isn't worth it. And well, yeah. And soon enough customers get to know that. Soon enough customers get to know your personality. I'm not just saying you personally, Howie, but (laughs) our personality. And it's like, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it also, it uh, translate, it translates in infinite ways. It translates to the guy that, or the girl that you have fixing, hemming the pant, your pants on your suit. Yeah. Yeah. uh, You find somebody you gel with. Yeah. Like all these things are community based and it's, it's so nice. And I think watches, it can exist in, in that, in that realm really nicely because these are these are things of of memory these are things of passion of of expression you yeah. know so we have yeah you know to me it just it's to me i love the idea of you know sending the watch to 
to your local guy and having a relationship because it's it's something that means something to you you know your watch yeah. that you've you know inherited or or had 10 years of, of experiences with and then you want to give it to some somebody who doesn't really know what's going to happen and then it's gone for six months to who knows where and comes back and you don't know what's been done yeah. like that's wild yeah i don't i think as a business model i think the big brands need to consider that that's an emotional reaction to that kind of service yeah it's like but like i said it's a numbers game right it it really is a numbers game for them and uh you know they look at number of services they look at the number of watches they've got out in the field and uh they they look for efficiencies well that's like you're saying the whole like the movement exchanges it's like what's what's cheaper do we service it or do we just flip it up you know all these things like you're right it's numbers and it's like it's competitive numbers and we're talking huge scale we're talk, talking millions of dollars like, yeah yeah all yeah. the time yeah yeah i know so you know these are it's a it's a very deep subject and uh it's a great subject i i, I love digging deep into it and that's what this podcast is all about i'd say yeah and that's why we do this podcast actually is because we're like a couple of schmoes who just love watches <laughs> and we want to talk about it here we are. Yeah. yeah. And I think that uh, that's an, a, a very important point to get across to people mm-hmm. is that, uh, you know, we're just everyday people. We're just... Speak for yourself. You know, just just here to, 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 to do what we love yeah. and to make a living out of it and uh, and have fun at the same time and drink scotch on Fridays. Brought to you by... <laughs> Costco. Costco. <laughs> oh no. Yes. Anyways, I think I think we've covered everything with that. That's been a great discussion today, episode fourteen. So thank. You. Yeah, I'd say we're good. What do you say? Yeah, I I think that's great. Yeah. And uh, you know, if there's any questions, any comments, or anything right. like that, please feel free to uh, go on it on to Instagram and and put those comments uh, in there when we post when the fact that we've got there. a new podcast there. Yeah. You know, ask us. Um, we may not reply like lickety split because we're actually doing stuff but uh just with some patience we do actually get back yeah, and, and uh and we love to hear these things right. so so this uh, i know this one that. went a little bit long but that's fine whatever yeah you know it's, you maybe you listen to it over two days three days whatever it's an experience right <laughs> a couple of transit rides yeah exactly yeah. it's it's there and back yeah absolutely yeah. cool good all right this has been the Rolled Off Cafe. I'm Jason, and you are Howie. Nice. All right. I'll okay. see you next time. Next time.